In the small church where, where I grew up, every year uh, we would pick one night as a church and uh, we'd all separate into little cars and we'd go all visit all the shut-ins and we'd go visit and do Christmas carols and sing to them. And as a kid, I thought this was kind of weird. You go into strangers' homes and you sing songs to them that don't really make a lot of sense, but you did it. And so that's kind of a, f- a fun thing to do. But one of the songs that we did was, Oh, Come All You Faithful. And so what I've, what I've learned in any song is that we, we tend to like the beat of a song. We, we, it's catchy. And so we just sing it. And we don't really pay attention to the words. We don't pay attention to the meaning. So here's, here's the first part of O Come All Ye Faithful. O Come All Ye Faithful, joyful and triumphant. O Come Me, O Come Me to Bethlehem. Come and behold Him, born the King of Angels. O Come, let us adore Him. O Come, let us adore Him, Christ the Lord. O Come All Ye Faithful, joyful and triumphant. You know, those, those are nice words, aren't they? But how often do we feel the opposite? We feel doubtful, depressed, and defeated. doesn't quite fit into the song the same way, does it? It feels different. And see, the good news today is that that Jesus calls people that are not just that. So if we we look into Scripture and it says, oh, come, there's there's two groups that we see that Jesus calls to in Scriptures. The first group that Jesus calls to is the weary and the burdened. Jesus calls the weary and the burdened, oh, come. Matthew 11, 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. With about two weeks until Christmas, I'm guessing that weary and burdened is a word that might describe you here today. You've got parties to attend, gifts to buy, gatherings to, to, uh, to attend, travel to arrange, food to make. And this is all on top of our normal family dysfunction and stress. It just keeps piling on. You know, Christmas tends to be one of those magnifiers. That whatever's going on in life, Christmas just magnifies and, and makes it bigger. And see, life just weighs us down. Sometimes it's, it's choices that we've made that we're filled with, with regret. But sometimes it's choices that other people are made. That you're filled with helplessness. Maybe it's a financial strain. Maybe it's health issues. The list can go on and on and on about how we feel heavily burdened. Maybe you just want to give up. Give up on your job, your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, on church, on God. You're just like, you know, I just, I can't take it anymore. But if, if that's you today and you're feeling heavily burdened, I want you to know that in that posture, in that state, is where God can do incredible things. It makes room for God. It's, it's, it's to say, you know, God, I'm, I'm weary. I'm done. Help. It's one of the most beautiful prayers I think that we can pray is that I need you, God. I need you in that. And he welcomes that. He loves that connection that he has with us during that weary and burdened season. I remember several years ago when my Emma daughter had her tonsils removed. This was her first medical procedure and everything went well, but she had pain after surgery and she wouldn't, she wouldn't drink. So she got dehydrated. So I had to take her back to the hospital and uh, dehydration is a big deal evidently. And so, uh, you know, the nurses are, are shoving medicine down her throat, forcing her to drink and she's hating every last minute of it. And so that night I, I stayed in the hospital with her. She wanted me to sleep in the bed right beside her. And I'll tell you what, in the strangeness of that hospital room, in the midst of her trauma, her dad, or my daughter wanted her daddy more than ever. And she stayed by my side that whole night, and it was a precious, precious time for me to spend with her. And if she were to come up to me today and say, Dad, I remember when I had my tonsils taken out, and you sent me to the hospital, and they were doing this, this, and this. How could you do that? I thought you loved me. I'd be crushed. 
because that's one of the most precious memories that I have of my daughter. And I think that's how it is with God. He hates to see the stuff that we're going through, but he loves the fellowship that he has with us when we're in tough places. He gets to see, we get to see how much he cares for us when we're in the dark times and to feel his presence. So if you go back to that, that scripture in Matthew, it says, you know, he calls the weary and the burden, but he also says, I will give you rest. And I'm sure some of you could use that today. And I'm, and I'm not talking about the nap that you're getting right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this, this burden that we're carrying that some of us maybe weren't meant to carry. But he says, I want to give you rest. And so Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. The second person people that Jesus calls to is he calls to the sinners. And that's good news for all of us. Instead of rejecting people who have messed up, God says, come on, come on. I want you. I accept you. You are part of what I'm doing here. And I'll be honest, if I was in God's shoes and I'm trying to build this thing called Christianity, I'd be having requirements. I'd be trying to figure out, I'd be doing background checks. I'd be looking for the smartest. We'd be doing IQ stuff. I'd be looking for some of the strongest. I'd have all these requirements of saying, if we're going to make this thing really effective and really work, we're going to need these kind of people. But you know what God says? Nah, bring all your mess. Let's do it all together. Because I'm big enough to handle it and help, and let's work together. See, God doesn't do things in the expected way. He doesn't do things in the expected way. Jesus says in Matthew 9, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I mean, who does that? Who seeks messed up people to build something great? I'm a part of our team here looking for our next student pastor at the Burlington campus. And you know, we've been meeting together and we figure out who our ideal candidate is. We've got all these criteria that, that we're looking for. And you know what? One time, not one time has anybody said, you know what we're looking for? Let's get the most average person we can get. Nobody does that. We're like, this, this youth pastor hire is absolutely critical. Let's get the best person we can find. But see, that's the whole, in, in God's economy, he turns things upside down. He's saying, bring your mess. Bring everything with me. I'm big enough to do it. He calls us to lean on him, but he also says, I want more for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. See how incredible is that promise that God is telling us is that we are no longer have to be known by what we've done, but we are known by who we are in Christ. You're no longer known as the guy who got the DUI, the woman who got fired for stealing at work, the guy who cheated on his wife, the person who runs to their addiction instead of God. Your identity is different because of Christ. And I encourage you to check out the series that Darren did last month on identity, very powerful, about how our identity is changed because of who Christ is. And if we, we, we take a step back further, we look at our Christmas story, seeing how Jesus calls people different than what we'd expect, when we have the biggest announcement of all time that Jesus Christ is being born, who does he make that announcement to? You know, the angels come, they don't announce it to the religious leaders or the political leaders. The announcers come to some stinky, downtrodden shepherds out in the field and say, let me give you some incredible news because you're valuable and I want you to know this. And so maybe today you're, you're not feeling weary or burdened and you're not a sinner. You're free to leave. 
Because I think all the rest of us have got something there that we've all wrestling with that. But we should know today that God calls us to that. So if he calls the weary, the burdened, and the sinners, what is he calling us to? There's two things that we see in this song. He calls us to be joyful, and he calls us to be triumphant. He calls us to be joyful and triumphant. Uh, Luke 2, 10 and 11 says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I love the idea of joy. You know, the world would say that joy and happiness are very similar. But I think from a biblical perspective, joy is much deeper and a much different idea you know, the, the definition the dictionary gives uh, for joy is the feeling of great pleasure and happiness, but it's much deeper than that. I like the definition of joy that says gladness based not on circumstance. See, our happiness is based on what happens to us. Joy is what we have from much deeper. This quote from C.S. Lewis I love. He says, don't let your happiness depend on something that you may lose. Don't let your happiness depend on something that you may lose. And when we do that, we develop joy in our lives. See, it's, it's, hap- it's, it's easy to be happy when things are going well. But can you be filled with gladness and joy when you're feeling in the dark times, when you're feeling heavily burdened and weighed down? And so my question for you today is what's keeping you from being joyful? Often those things that are keeping us from being joyful, those things that are happening to us, For some of you, it it, it may be shame. It may be what you did, how you look, others perceive you. You're just filled with shame day in and day out. Maybe it's constant anxiety that just wears you out. Maybe it's dissatisfaction that you just don't feel like you measure up. You're just not good enough. Maybe it's envy that everywhere you go, you see something you want, but you know that you can't have. And maybe it's fear. Your fear of someone leaving you. Your fear of losing this or doing this. All of these things have a way of just zapping the joy out of our lives. And so I want you to to take a look at the people in your lives. Who are those people in your lives that are full of joy? Because I'll guarantee you they've got some stuff that they've gone through or going through right now. But they're choosing Jesus and they're choosing joy. It may be hard, but they're choosing that. John 15, 11 says... Jesus says, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. James 1, 2, and 3 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We read that scripture and we love the result. We love a mature faith. We love our our perseverance being developed. But if you catch the very beginning, do you know how we get there? We go through trials. Just consider it pure joy when you face many trials because this is what God's going to do through our lives. See, uh, while we may not like it or not, that's how God works through us a lot. I've been in the ministry for about 20 years now and never has anyone come up to me and said, Brian, I feel so close to God when things are going great in my life. But I've had a lot of people come up and say, man, I went through a really hard time and really with this difficult season, and I felt God's presence more now than ever. God has a way of just taking those bad times, those rough things that we're going through, and connecting with us and promising his presence. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, this is the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that says, if you're in line with God, these are the fruit that come from that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or forbearance. 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy is the fruit of a right relationship with God. It's not something we can do on our own, but something we've got to connect with God with and seek him. Luke 2, 10 again says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of Savior, a, a town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Because of Christ, we can experience joy. The second thing that he calls us to is to be joyful. And the second thing is, is to be triumphant. And the definition of triumph, I had to check because like, I want to make sure I'm understanding this, is having won a battle or contest, victorious, feeling or expressing jubilation. When was the last time you used, used the word jubilation? I don't use that a whole lot. After having won a victory or mastered a difficulty. So every morning, uh, Christmas morning growing up, uh, the five of us and our family, we would, we'd gather in the living room and we'd separate our presents. We'd go around one by one opening presents. And uh, my dad had this incredible skill of guessing what was each present was. And I, I, I was amazed, actually, because he, he, he's like, oh, this is a, a, a one-pound bag of cashews. And he'd open up like, how did you know that? And this is, this is a screwdriver said, and this is a socks. I'd say, what color are they, Dad? They're brown. How did you know they were brown? And uh, it got to the point where in years, Mom would take boxes and throw all kinds of stuff in there to try to throw them off. And he was just really good with it. And so I took Dad's skill set, and I bumped it up a notch. And so I've got a tendency to... Um, guest stuff, but I have some tendency to ruin a lot of Christmas gifts. Um, not, my wife doesn't care for that a whole lot. But um, so we, we've, what I tend to do is my wife buys something in advance, being a planner, and then I go and I buy it. And so we've got a rule in my house is that there's no purchasing stuff for yourself during your birthday month or during Christmas. And so that's kind of the rule that, that we did. Well, several years ago, uh, she wrapped Christmas presents and put the present underneath the tree bad mistake right there. And so when she wasn't home, let me finish. <laughs> it gets worse, okay? I went and picked up the present, did a, a, a way to kind of figure out how much it was, and then I shook it real good to make sure kind of what, what was in there. And I started kind of getting guesses. Well, I knew she bought it at Target. And so I went to Target. And I walked around the store until I found a box that was about the right size, and I picked it up, and it was about the right weight, and then I shook it, and I got it. <laughs> and I opened it up that morning, and I had the present face. Oh, it's amazing. Needless to say, my wife was not as thrilled with my uh, present gift abilities, but uh, yeah, so that was triumphant, okay? That was triumphant there. Um, but the other times I thought about it, as I'm preparing this message, when have I felt triumphant? Uh, two things came to mind really quick. Uh, December 10th, 2011 was one of my favorite sports days of all time. Uh, my beloved Indiana Hoosiers had come on some really difficult times. They had fired their coach. They were not doing well. And that night, they were taking on number one ranked Kentucky. All right? Please don't vandalize my car or do anything like that. So with six seconds left to go, they're down two points, they go, they make the winning shot, everybody goes nuts, I'm at home watching on my laptop, my wife and, and family are, are over there playing a game quietly, not really sure what I'm doing, 
I throw the laptop down. I start yelling and screaming, we just beat Kentucky. This was incredible. Why is not everybody cheering? <laughs> hey, there we go. I did have a lady come up to me uh, after the last service. She said, Brian, are you seriously? We need, we need to get some more UK fans here as pastors on staff. I'm like, I'm sorry. She's like, are you not even just a little bit of a UK fan? Or of a, she's like, I, said, I said, let me ask you this. Are you just a little bit of a Duke fan? And she walked away. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was a big one there. And then the other one I thought about, you know, growing up in northern Indiana, I've always been a big Chicago Cubs fan. And for many, many years, they were known as the lovable losers. And they got, they got good a couple years ago. And so they made it to the World Series. And uh, I decided to make a trip up there. I wasn't going to pay the money to get into Wrigley Field to watch a game. But I wanted to be there in the atmosphere. So a buddy and I, we went up there and kind of walked around to Wrigley Field, watched the game at a, at a local restaurant. I didn't think they were going to win the World Series, but I came back home a couple days later for Game 7. We're in my buddy's basement in Oak Brook, 11.30 at night. The final out goes in. We're running through the streets of Oak Brook yelling and screaming. They finally finished this off. It was, it was amazing. It was like triumph. It was like we, we finally, not we because I didn't play, but um, <laughs> we do that. But yeah, it was like it was a triumph over something that was bad. And so then we're going to, from trivial to scriptural right now, so we look in the Bible and, you know, when is the word triumphant used in Scripture? You know, the main one that we think of is when Jesus is his triumphant entry into Jerusalem a few days before he's to be crucified. And so there's a, quite a paradox going on in the life of, of Christ right now because he's got a group of people that are just loving him and saying, you're the king, you're the leader, we want you to be in charge now. And then we've got another group of people saying, you're messing everything up, we want you dead. And so the culmination of all this is coming into Jerusalem that Sunday before he's to be crucified. He's on the back of a, a donkey riding into town. It's called the triumphant entry. One side's cheering, the other side's planning his death. And so I got to thinking, when we look at the word triumph, when we look at what it means to be triumphant, what's common themes here? And I think this is it. Being triumphant means persevering through tough times. Being triumphant means persevering through tough times. You can't be triumphant if you've not overcome some difficult situations in your life. And I'm saying, you may be weighed down by some of that right now. And you don't feel very triumphant. You don't feel very victorious. But that's what God wants. He wants you to be able to lean into his power and seek his joy. Author Michael Kelly gives us three keys to being triumphant in our spiritual journey. And I love these he starts out by saying, Romans 8, 35 and 37, he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of Christ because God loves us that much. So there's three things that he talks about. The first one is that the triumphant Christian is faithful. And that's not very exciting. That's not exciting, um, but it's doing the little things well and faithful day after day after day. It means doing the things that it means to be a faithful dad, a faithful mom, wife, husband, worker, son, daughter, granddaughter, whatever that is. What are those things that we seek God and we be faithful in the little things? 
The second thing he talks about is a triumphant Christian makes spiritual progress. I think it's a mistake to think that once we become a follower of Christ that we just don't sin anymore. I don't know about you, but that's not the case for me. We've got to continually fight for that, but that we're making spiritual progress. Several years ago in my small group, uh, some, one of the guys mentioned a study that uh, they came out that said, how do you know if you're a good mom or you're a good dad? And they did this big survey and all the study and everything. And the bottom line was, if you're asking the question, am I a good dad or I'm a good mom, then you're a good dad and you're a good mom. Because you care enough to try the best that you can do that. And I think today, if you're asking the question, am I a good follower of Christ, you're on the right path. That if you're on the right path to say, okay, I care about this. How am I honoring God with everything that I do? How am I honoring God with the words that I say, the things that I do, the places I go? If you're doing that, thinking that, continually seeking God, you're making that spiritual progress. And the third thing is the spiritual Christian, or the triumphant Christian perseveres. Just keep going. Just keep going. The, the whole book of Hebrews has a lot of themes through there about perseverance. It it's talks about our, our walk as a follower of Christ is, is a race. It's not a sprint, though. It's more of a marathon. And maybe today you're like, I'm, just, I'm trudging along, and I'm just hoping one day that I can just crawl over the finish line. And you know what? That's okay. But the thing is, keep persevering. Keep focusing on what God has in store for you. We just keep focusing on doing, again, doing those little things, focusing on him. If we look back at James 1, 2, and 3, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Joy and triumph are ours when we focus on Christ and allow him to lead our lives. In John 16, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. If you look back in Isaiah, Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament. And Isaiah was written hundreds of years before Christ was born. But there was a prophecy, a foretelling of the birth of Christ in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So today, know that Christ is in charge, that Christ is leading us. But my question for you today is, what is God calling you to do? What is Jesus calling you to do, to say, to think, to change? What are you holding on to your life that's keeping you from being joyful and triumphant? If we look back at our, our song for today, I want you to realize that Jesus is calling you to himself. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Lord. We honor and we worship Jesus Christ. And as we worship and celebrate him in the little manger, we remember today that Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the chosen one, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Prince of Peace, the light of the world, the Savior and the lifter of our head, the born, the King of angels. We come to adore him for he today is Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this reminder that you indeed are Christ the Lord. 
I thank you, Father, that we can come and worship you. And I think today that this, this calling to us of being weary and burdened and sinners, God, I thank you for accepting us and loving us just where we are. And today, Father, I pray for the, the person who doesn't feel very joyful and doesn't feel very triumphant, that we would take a little step, just being faithful in the little things, seeking you, praying, and just being resting in your word. For, Father, we, we want to be joyful and triumphant, not for our sake, but to bring you honor and glory so that others might come to know you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.